This episode is brought to you by Seed. Probiotics are most effective when they make it to your colon, alive. That's why Seed developed a patented two-in-one capsule that safeguards viability of its DSO-1 daily symbiotic through digestion to deliver the maximum dose to your colon. No refrigeration necessary. Visit seed.com slash Spotify and use code SPOTIFY25 to get 25% off your first month. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. On the heels of those sold-out crowds for the Rugby Sevens in Vancouver comes news the city could be at risk of losing another major sporting event. Today, the Premier saying there's no blank check for the FIFA World Cup. Grace Key joins us with more on just what that means. And Grace, the province's hesitation catching many people off guard because the bid package is actually due this week. Yeah, that's going to be coming up on Friday. Now, behind me, of course, we have the provincially owned BC Play Stadium. At the heart of this issue seems to be money. Vancouver's bid for the men's 2026 FIFA World Cup could be in jeopardy. A bid package is due on Friday, and the province has raised concerns about its support. Premier John Horgan, a big soccer fan, citing concerns over a clause that would allow FIFA to make alterations to a bid after it's been approved. I have a higher obligation than just being a soccer fan. I have a higher obligation than just wanting to see World Cup soccer in Vancouver. I have to make sure that taxpayers aren't on the hook uh, for unknown costs at the whim of FIFA. Liberal opposition calling the comments concerning, citing the Women's FIFA World Cup brought in $118 million to the province, all from a $2 million investment. The Rugby Sevens just wrapped up with huge success. Rugby Canada announced it would be bidding for the rights to host the Games for another four years. Uh, It's all part and parcel of selling British Columbia and selling Vancouver. It's a no-brainer, quite frankly. So for the minister or somebody from her department to call up uh, the folks that are putting this uh, proposal together at the last minute and say, you know what, pull it, we're not supporting it, is ridiculous. The tournament would be held at the provincially owned BC Place Stadium and modifications to the stadium, including a grass field, security and parking would come from the province. The province did make a draft submission last week to the Unified Bid Committee. It did not get approved. Edmonton, Toronto and Montreal are also up for consideration. Canada's support and principle. The province's comments come as the federal government just announced its support for the Canada-US-Mexico bid with a financial commitment. The government will commit up to $5 million in order to support the development and the budgeting going for it. Now, late this afternoon, Vancouver Mayor Gregor Robinson did, Robertson did leave a statement saying Vancouver City Council has been a strong supporter of the FIFA World Cup bid and we'd love to host the world's biggest sporting event in our city. We've done our part to sign on to the bid and are hopeful the provincial and federal governments can find an arrangement to support the bid going forward. Now, the city of Vancouver is expected to gain up to $490 million in cost benefits as a host. City. Sophie? All right, thanks for that. Grace Key reporting for us in Vancouver. Squire Barnes joins us now to talk more about uh, this possibility of BC pulling out. And we got some reaction from the Whitecaps. Well, anybody who's in the soccer community obviously wants to see it come here. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, and it would be fun to have it here. 
Um, but uh, we went out to a Whitecaps practice today, asked some players, asked the coaches, what do you think of the current situation? I think it, it would be amazing for the province. Um, I think it's amazing for the country as well. Um, but again, if BC gets on board, I think, you know, who wouldn't want to see games here? People work hard for their money. In the jobs they do on a Monday to Friday basis, they work hard and they want to spend it on something that maybe doesn't happen every year or happens every couple of years. And the World Cup would be an unbelievable achievement to have here in, in Vancouver and in Canada. Obviously, there's a lot of excitement over the idea of having it, but it's not exactly hosting the World Cup. No, uh, America gets 60 games, Canada and Mexico get 10 each. There are four Canadian cities involved, Vancouver might get three games. And it wouldn't necessarily be like an England, it Brazil could kind be. Of we thing. don't know. It could be a great game. It could be a game like, what countries are coming? Mm-hmm. You don't know until like 2025. We don't even know if Canada is going to get in automatically as a host yet. And if Canada does get in, you know that Toronto's going to get some Canada games. I'm not yeah. so sure Vancouver's going to get some Canada games. So, but I think there's enough time to work something out before Friday. All right. Well, it's Tuesday now. We'll see what happens. Okay. Thanks, Squire. More fallout tonight. Or pardon me. More tonight on the fallout over a wild house party thrown by a teenager at a rental home in West Vancouver. Neighbors say it's a growing problem and more needs to be done to regulate short-term rentals before they destroy neighborhoods. Tetranecki reports. West Vancouver is one of those idyllic seaside municipalities, population about 42,000. And like so many expensive communities in the Lower Mainland, it too has an almost 0% rental vacancy rate. And that's one reason short-term rentals are illegal here, yet look at how many you can find on the Airbnb website today, in excess of 300. It was out of control. (laughs) This was one of those Airbnb rentals booked by a 14-year-old girl using her mother's credit card. And as you can see, it was a party that quickly got out of hand as hundreds of strangers started pouring into the neighborhood. There was hundreds of kids. I actually came by here last night and I saw a mom came in from Coquitlam with her kids. They were 14 years old. These are minors. At one point, there was a sofa in this hot tub. Holes in the drywall. Paintings destroyed. Damage estimate from the absentee owner in excess of $20,000, which the girl's parents are apparently willing to pay. There's been an agreement uh, to proceed civilly uh, with the uh, family of the young person who organized the party uh, and that he's not seeking a criminal proceeding Uh, against uh, the young person or their family. Now, house trash parties are nothing new, but what is, is how quickly word gets out and how easily one, at age 14, can book a property. Because there are so many empty homes. Cities may have bylaws against short-term rentals, but they are meaningless. Ted Chernacki, Global News. The cause of a deadly house fire in Kelowna is under investigation. It started around 4 a.m. in the city's Rutland neighborhood. Police say a passing motorist alerted the family to the danger, honking his horn and waking everyone up. Witnesses tell police the four people living in the home, a man, woman and two children, all managed to get out. But the woman went back in. Apparently his wife had gone back into the home to retrieve a pet. She never made it out, which is very, very, very sad for all of us. They were a wonderful couple. Investigators believe the fire started outside the home, but the official cause is still unknown. 
The youngest victim of a serious accident in Abbotsford has been released from hospital. The two-year-old was crossing the street with his five-year-old sibling and grandmother just after eight yesterday morning when they were hit by a Toyota Yaris on Ridgeview Drive just east of Town Line Road. The five-year-old and his grandmother remain in hospital. Abbotsford police are asking anyone who might have been in the area at the time and have dash cam footage to give them a call. The SPCA is asking for the public's help to find the owner of an injured dog. Take a look. This is the only photo we can show you as the other is too graphic. The dog was found on a Forest Service road near Yak, B.C. with its chain collar deeply embedded in its neck. The one-year-old Sharpe Labrador Cross was rushed for veterinary treatment and it's hoped he will make a full recovery. Anyone with information is asked to call the B.C. SPCA Animal Cruelty Hotline at the number on your screen. Former B.C. Liberal leader and LNG advocate Gordon Wilson has expanded his $5 million libel lawsuit. In addition to suing Premier John Horgan and Jobs Minister Bruce Ralston, Wilson has now added a number of media outlets. Aaron MacArthur has more on the case and why taxpayers could end up footing a hefty bill. Premier of British... When the NDP government took office last summer, it came with the usual bloodletting. More than 100 Liberal appointees were given their walking papers. But one pink slip in particular came with a host of problems. Two weeks after being sworn in, the Premier forced to apologize for accusing Gordon Wilson of taking three and a half years of salary and doing no work. I, I offer an apology to Mr. Wilson and I'm hopeful that we can now all move on. The record, as it turns out, was quite clear. Not only did the LNG advocate file paperwork, he filed reams of it. 180 pages in just the first 15 months on the job. The apology wasn't enough. Gordon Wilson quickly filed a civil lawsuit, suing for $5 million in damages. Last week, Wilson upped the ante and expanded the suit to name several media outlets, including CKNW. I think it's crucially important that we not allow the Premier and a minister to engage in that level of malice and that level of defamation against a public servant. As Wilson is suing a sitting premier and member of cabinet, their legal costs are the province's responsibility. The expanded action could see as many as 70 witnesses called, and taxpayers are on the hook for all of it. It could be millions of dollars. So unfortunately for Premier Horgan, this is a very expensive lesson for him. But unfortunately for taxpayers, we're going to be the ones paying for it. And while taxpayers are footing the bill, because of the rules surrounding public indemnity, taxpayers may never know how much this will all cost. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. And Keith Baldry joins us now with more on this. How big of a political problem could this become for the Premier, Keith? Well, even though the Premier has, uh, has apologized here and did it right away when he was informed of his error, this could become quite embarrassing for John Horgan. No Premier wants to be in court if this, on something like this. If this actually gets into court and Gordon Wilson wants to call 70 witnesses, it becomes a bit of a political uh, show trial and political theatre, the, uh, the, the kind that a Premier wants to avoid at all costs. You throw in the fact also that taxpayers are on the hook for a bunch of legal costs. Uh, this probably has the recipe for some embarrassing days for for John Horgan down the road. There could be a settlement, though, although Gordon Wilson, every time you talk to him, he wants his day in court and he wants to be heard. All right. Thanks very much, Keith. 
Good news for motorists and businesses in South Surrey. The 152nd Street overpass is reopened to traffic ahead of schedule. The Transportation Ministry originally thought it would take until April to be back up and running. A truck smashed into it back in early December. Both Highway 99 northbound lanes are expected to open in the next few days. Right now, though, a group of young urban influencers is building on an idea that's addressed housing and affordability challenges in other parts of the world, offering a solution that's creating multi-generational communities where everyone feels more housing secure and less socially isolated. Tanya Beja now on How It Works. Finding a place to call home in Metro Vancouver can be a tough task. But Christina Smith wants to make the search easier by pairing millennials in need with seniors who have room to spare. Our ultimate goal is to have more affordable housing for renters, as well as allow an option for seniors that want to age in place or stay in their home. Smith is one of the founders of Empty Nests. Having Selena like having a daughter. It's a project based on successful models in Europe and the United States that match young people seeking housing with seniors who want to reduce their monthly bills by taking on a roommate. Monthly rents would be below market in exchange for five to ten hours of help with household chores. Spending time with the homeowner, perhaps partaking in doing grocery shopping or walking the pet, really light um, household activities. Seniors advocates call the Empty Nest Project a creative solution to a pressing problem. They say nearly one-third of visitors to this centre come with concerns about housing affordability. With uh, 50% of all BC seniors living under $26,000 a year and 35% of all seniors living under $20,000 a year, we're certainly having to come up with novel and new ways to find uh, people, uh, for seniors to be able to secure uh, the current housing that they have. Potential roommates will have to be screened and meet at least once to find out if they hit it off. We need to do some personal questions, like a bit of that's like online dating, like what do you like, what are your interests, um, to make sure that people actually have a connection. Empty Nests plans to connect the first pairs this summer. Tanya Beja, Global News. Vancouver firefighters are taking on another role today, fighting hunger. Volunteers packing up hundreds of take-home grocery packages for the city's most vulnerable school children just in time for spring break. While many kids can't wait for the two-week break, for the one in five kids living in poverty, no school often means no food as they're cut off from school-run programs. The need is incredible. Actually, we, it's something we see as firefighters when we go in people's homes. Um, you know, the challenges, the socioeconomic challenges that kids face in their homes uh, is staggering. The need is real, and uh, unfortunately, there's not a spring break from poverty. Firefighters, with some help from PricewaterhouseCoopers, created 700 care packages that will be distributed to kids in need across the city. Lawrence and the Machine, just one of the bands you can hear at Stanley Park this September. The Brockton Field Complex will be the site of a new three-day music, art, and food festival called Skookum. The Killers, Metric, Mother Mother, the Arkells, Blue Rodeo, and many more also hitting the four stages. The venue can accommodate up to 20,000 people per day and will also highlight the best of BC's art and culinary scene. Passes go on sale this Friday. 
Well, it's not often you hear about people getting upset because of someone planting trees, but that's what's happening at a Maple Ridge development right now. Homeowners are frustrated with the city, but Jeff, Hast- Jeff Hastings tells us why it's not really the trees that are the issue. The neighborhood is caught off guard by the morning lawn massacre. That's Nobody's home right now. Everybody's at work and they're going to come home and there's going to be a tree. It's drawn out in black and white and it shows you where the tree locations are. This is part of the landscape plan. The Maple Ridge City plan calls for 25 trees on this street. And that's what they're getting years after everyone moved in and the developer moved on. I understand it's in the city's plans, but it's been four years. People have worked around that and planted their own stuff, and I just don't think it's right. Why does the city have to care about what we put on our own property? It's not your property, it's the city property. You get those chunks of grass in there, those great nutrients. It looks like lawn, but there are limits. That we should have a say with the city. They shouldn't just come out and dig a hole in my lawn. It's we, not your lawn, it's city property. I understand that, but I've been looking after my lawn for four years. There's no mystery what all of this is going to look like. What you're seeing here is a job being finished. These trees down the street, the same ones planted in the last couple of years. Karen already has a tree. Soon she'll have two. She tried to stop the work with some caution tape and a board. Um, and you just suddenly found a big hole in the front of your garden for no reason. But so first thing in the morning, you're out there in your bathrobe erecting? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> trying to. That was, that was exactly what happened. <laughs> the trees are part of the requirement from the city, just like the sidewalks and the roads and the curb and everything. The residents recognize that and some concessions are made. Those well-manicured yards will be left alone when it's possible, but the trees still have to be planted. Okay, leave the tree. Leave your trees. The other trees have to go where they have to kind of go. At the end of the job, it will all be up to code. Residents just wish there'd been more consultation. Jeff Hastings, Global News. Well, it broke records on the track, and now the Cedar Rocket is going to help many BC veterans. 90,000 U.S. dollars, or about 115,000 Canadian, was handed over to the Williams Lake Legion today. It's all thanks to the team at Pioneer Log Homes. They built the Cedar Rocket, a car fashioned out of a single 240 year old Western Red Cedar and parts from an old Mazda. The log car was sold at a U.S. auction and. Not just once, it actually sold three times, raising $350,000. For those behind the car, it made sense to help veterans. The least we can do is give back. There's a reason we're free. There's a reason we can even stand here today. And it's not because of you and I, it's because of the veterans that served in the past. The whole thing was worthwhile. Four years of hard work that Brian, Louie and I all put in and... and uh, it all was really came to a rousing success. I, you know, I, I couldn't hope for more. The log car was sold to a museum in Virginia Beach the third time around, where it will be put on display. Cell phone video captures the moment a tornado swept through parts of southern Italy. It happened late last night. Strong winds tore down power lines and trees. Walls of several apartments were demolished and vehicles were flipped over. Several people were injured, but there are no reports of any deaths. Some more changes in the Trump White House tonight. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson is out of a job, asked to step aside by the president himself. This comes after months of reported tension between the two. But will this latest change bring stability to Trump's cabinet? 
Secretary of State Rex Tillerson learned he was fired at the same time the rest of the world did, on Twitter. The president tweeting, Mike Pompeo, director of the CIA, will become our new Secretary of State. He will do a fantastic job. Thank you to Rex Tillerson for his service. For months, Tillerson's ouster was the topic of speculation after he called the president a moron. Two sources tell NBC News today it was a slight the president never got over and exacerbated their policy differences from North Korea to tariffs, Russia and the Iran nuclear deal. When you look at uh, the Iran deal, I think it's terrible. I guess he thought it was okay. The president insisting today. Really, it was a different mindset. It was a different thinking. I think Rex will be much happier now. The two spoke by phone at noon when the president called from Air Force One as he flew to California. There were warning signs on Friday when Tillerson was traveling in Africa, an apology tour of sorts for the president's s-hole comments. According to two White House officials, Chief of Staff John Kelly called to tell Tillerson the president intended to ask him to step aside. Kelly called Tillerson again in the middle of the night Saturday to stress his departure could be imminent. Hours after arriving back in Washington today, the Secretary of State appearing in the briefing room, solemn and somewhat stunned. I'll now return to private life as a private citizen, as a proud American, proud of the opportunity I've had to serve my country. Sources say Tillerson tried to keep his job and now feels angry and mistreated. Uh, Rex and I have been talking about this for a long time. Uh, we, we got along actually quite well. But we disagreed on things. The White House says the president wanted his new secretary of state in place ahead of his planned North Korea talks. It caps a contentious relationship that at times boiled over. The president publicly chiding Tillerson. And in one instance this past summer, Tillerson denying reports he was planning to quit. There's never been a consideration in my mind to leave. Tillerson now becomes the latest in a long list of high-profile Trump administration departures, with the president's inner circle becoming ever smaller. A tragic end for a school band trip after a bus crashed along the Florida-Alabama border, killing the driver and leaving several students injured. The charter bus carrying students home from a school trip to Disney World, crossed the median before plunging more than 15 meters down a ravine. Ropes and rappelling equipment had to be used to reach victims who were trapped inside the mangled bus. There were 45 people on the bus at the time of the crash. At least five remain in serious condition. The state of Florida is confirming today it will seek the death penalty against the teen charged in the Valentine's Day school massacre in Parkland, Florida. 19-year-old Nicholas Cruz is scheduled for formal arraignment tomorrow. He faces 34 charges, including 17 counts of first-degree murder. Cruz's attorneys have said he would plead guilty if the death penalty was not on the table. Police in Austin, Texas are warning residents not to open any unexpected packages after a series of package bombings left two people dead and two others injured. Police believe all three incidents are related and are looking into possible motives. They aren't ruling out the possibility of a hate crime or terrorism. None of the packages were delivered by official delivery services. A royal uproar over a popular Netflix series. Claire Foy starred in the first two seasons of the smash hit The Crown, giving viewers a glimpse into the early years of Queen Elizabeth II. But despite being the queen, wearing the crown, and being the show's star, the show's producers have revealed Foy's on-screen husband, Matt Smith, who plays Prince Philip, got paid more than she did. They cited his Doctor Who fame, 
However, going forward, they say no one gets paid more than the Queen. Starting next season, the pair will be played by different actors portraying them as they age. Well, we've all heard of those super seniors, people who live long and healthy lives without developing the big five, cancer, dementia, diabetes, cardiovascular and lung disease. A long-term study at Simon Fraser is trying to find the secret, and it turns out you don't have to give up all of your vices to live a long life. Linda Ellsworth reports. It's said that aging ain't no place for sissies, but that isn't true for everyone. One percent of so-called elderly Canadians are what Dr. Angela Brooks-Wilson calls super seniors. Super seniors are 85 years old or older, and they've never been diagnosed with cancer, cardiovascular disease, major pulmonary disease, uh, diabetes, or dementia. For the last 16 years, she's been studying the phenomenon, trying to narrow down what genetic variants super seniors share. I feel very fortunate. You have to have a lucky genes. <laughs> but genes only account for 25 to 30 percent of our destiny. Lifestyle can take credit for the rest. So does that mean no more alcohol? When we asked them how much they drank, we found that many of them drank, but moderately. I like gin and tonic, yes. Do you drink it? Yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and I like wine with my meal. As for smoking, most super seniors never took up the habit. Those that did quit a long time ago. And while the study didn't look at diet, they did ask about weight. The super seniors were at a, uh, on average, a, a trim weight, but not but not skinny. Um, but I was also encouraged to have super seniors in the obese range. Whatever end of the scale they were on, super seniors had another very important thing in common. They tended to be very physically active, as active as middle-aged people. The goal of the study, not necessarily to unlock the secrets of living extremely long lives, but extremely healthy ones. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. A warning tonight for those undecided shoppers. Turns out many of the big chains are watching customers who make returns. The intention is to stop return fraud, but it's causing headaches for many everyday consumers. If you've ever made a purchase and a return, the retail equation may be watching third-party company working with more than 34,000 stores formulates a consumer's risk score by crunching the numbers on what you buy and return, then calculates potential limits on what you can bring back. If it could happen to me, it could definitely happen to anybody. Jake Zakar returned three cell phone cases at Best Buy. He followed store policy and had a receipt, but his $87 return raised red flags, banning him from making returns for a year. I understand how they could be concerned with consumer abuse, but you got to have a more of a human touch to it. According to the Wall Street Journal, your risk score will climb if you return a high dollar amount, return items that tend to get stolen, or return an item close to store closing. As for Best Buy, they say stopping returns is very rare and apologize to anyone inappropriately affected. But for some, the point of no return is already here. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News, Los Angeles.
Control, are you there? I'm on my way to dispatch in The BC Ski Resort taking employee recruitment to the next level right after Christie's forecast. So great. Looks like a job for you, Christy. I know you <laughs> like it up there on the slopes. All right, a bit of a gray day after yesterday's beautiful spring-like weather. Yeah, it's a far cry. It was a big, a bit of a hard day to handle after record-breaking conditions. 21 degrees yesterday. Today at the airport, we only hit 10 degrees. There were a few areas that were a little bit warmer, but our day started off spectacularly. Look at these photos. Starting off with our weather window for today. Uh, yes, so the skies were red all across the lower mainland this morning. Red sky at night, or red sky in the morning. Sailor take warning has some truth here because of the system that is now over us right now. Now with the rainfall and we're seeing windy conditions uh, out near the water as well. And the reason for it is, is as the sun's rising in the east, the sun rays actually move along the bottom of uh, the um, system that's moving in and the sun's um, light refracts off of the moisture. The water droplets actually act like a prism and that's why you get those beautiful colors across the region. Meanwhile, we're lucky we're not dealing with the third nor'easter in two weeks. That's what they're contending with in the eastern sections up to 31 centimeters of snow in areas like Maine, areas in Quebec and over towards New Brunswick could see 15 to 20 centimeters of snow. So a little bit of rain overnight we can contend with. So this is your morning. Conditions ease off along the east coast of Vancouver Island, but we will continue with rain through the early morning hours tomorrow. And then throughout the morning, conditions will ease off for the lower mainland. Just a chance of showers by the afternoon. And we're keeping our fingers crossed for breaks of sunshine as well. Best chance of seeing those will certainly be along the east coast of Vancouver Island, potentially up into the Sunshine Coast area as well. Now, for those of you in the north area, we're concerned about tonight and through the morning hours tomorrow are smithers right down into Prince George. So all the way along Highway 16, there's a risk of freezing rain embedded within the rain that's going to push in. So watch for that. Temperatures are mild, but there's that uh, cool air that's trapped in the valley there. Uh, rainfall across these regions, not bad conditions. These are above average temperatures for this time of year. And we'll see that rain ease off through the morning hours with just a chance of showers by the afternoon. Two days to look forward to. That is Thursday and Friday for Metro Vancouver. And then the weekend is looking overcast at this point, but at least dry. But we're still days away. I'll be able to refine that as we get closer. But look, lots of sunshine to look forward to. And reminder that we're changing our birthdays over to uh, the noon show on March 19th. We're looking forward to that. I didn't have any birthdays tonight, Sophie, but Mark is really looking forward to doing it on the noon show. I'm sure he is. Thanks yeah. very much, Christy. Want to work with a team of superheroes? Silver Star Mountain may be the place you've been looking for. We're going to need a really cold beer. Now that's a beer delivery. The Mountain Resort in Vernon is, uh, Vernon is releasing this action hero themed video in hopes of attracting new recruits. Video features more than 40 employees, from chefs to ski instructors to hotel staff and servers. It's already a huge hit online with tens of thousands of views and counting. The resort delivering the message that working there is not your ordinary nine to five. Brilliant. They look tough. Well done. They look like they're having fun. I don't know about, I was saying that Squire sounds right now like he should be wearing like a smoking jacket and yeah, have a mustache have, have a mustache like i'm from the 70s or something <laughs> you know, i was as sophie I, leans away a little bit <laughs> you know what she's wise to lean away <laughs> he's, he's, he doesn't get bit, sick often but when he does weather as you might 
guess. Aw. Well, there Could goes. I, you know what? I was going to audition for the Canadian tenors, and now it's. Listen ruined. to you. Wow. Husky. You know what? I actually yeah. sounded worse this morning. Worse, I tell you. Have you been taking medication? Have I? Oh, boy. <laughs> Buckle up. I'm a big fan of the meds when it's on. I'm. I know some people are into the natural stuff. Right. You do that too? Yeah. No, 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 no. Okay. I'm like that, that old joke. I by, meant honey and lemon. I do that. Like that old joke by Jerry Seinfeld. Tell me what medica- how much medication will kill me and then just back it off a little bit and give it to me. <laughs> That's like me. Uh, okay. To uh, reiterate all this World Cup bid stuff, we will know by Friday if Vancouver is part of this bid. Um, Canada will get to host 10 games right now between four cities, Montreal, Toronto, Edmonton, Vancouver. We don't know how many games Vancouver would get. We don't know if we'd get a great matchup. We don't know if we'd get a terrible matchup. We won't know that until 2025 at the earliest because we don't even know who will be in the World Cup. One thing, though, I know some people are comparing this to the Women's World Cup. It's not quite fair because we got the host of final of the Women's World Cup at BC Place Canada is only going to get preliminary round games in 2026. All the knockout games in that World Cup will be in the United States. There'll be no knockout games for Canada or Mexico. The sticking point still appears to be that FIFA will not give the government a hard number as to what it will cost to put on games at BC Place. We talked to a source within the bid committee. They're a bit confused because all the other North American cities are not having the same concern as the B.C. government is having. But that same source is quite optimistic that something can be worked out before Friday so Vancouver could be a part of the bid. We asked former Canadian World Cup coach, well, he didn't get to the World Cup, but he was Canada's coach. He was a World Cup player, though, for Canada, Bob Landerduzzi, what he thinks of all of this. For us, it's support in whatever way we possibly can and uh, ensure that it happens. It's a once in a, well, once in my lifetime opportunity, uh, and it's probably you know beyond uh, that. It's it's who knows if there's if there's ever another opportunity to be a part of hosting a World Cup, a men's World Cup. That part is true. If we miss that one, this one, we probably won't get another. Anyway, uh, it's early days for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Two games into the season, two and zero, oh, but they are getting instant dividends from Kai Kamara. We have seen other strikers in the past come to Vancouver, get off the good starts, and then fizzle out, but Kamara is a proven goal scorer in Major League Soccer, and beyond that, he's a fun guy to watch. He's an instant fan favorite, someone you can rally around. At the moment, he seems like a very good off-season pickup for the Whitecaps. Kai Kamara from 12 yards away against Chris Seitz, and he buries it past the Houston goal. I'm a striker. I'm a striker that won the score goals and that's been scoring goals in this league for a while. So uh, that's not really my focus and how many goals I'm going to score being up front. Um, I'm just, if I'm connecting right with the rest of the guys around me, you know, the goal's going to come. And the Whitecaps hope they keep coming. Kai Kamara's two for two in a Caps kit. His goal in Houston, the 100th of his MLS career. You know, Kai's going to be a big addition for us this year. You've seen two goals in two games. It's a, you know, I think Kai on Saturday uh, did what Kai's in the team to do. This one's played in for Kai Kamara! It's no secret the Caps wanted Kamara's goal-scoring services for a few seasons now. After all, who doesn't want a proven striker on their roster? Well, apparently a few clubs. Because Kamara's personality is as big as the nets he's filled during his MLS career. If you 
ask everyone, I would say that 70 or 80% of people said to stay away from him just because he's a character. I love characters. You look in my locker room and we've got some little rascals in our locker room. Uh, we really have. And, you know, Kai, uh, speaking to Kai, you know, I tried to bring Kai here a, a number of years ago and I wasn't able to do it. But, you know, it's, it's the people who you trust and know uh, is the ones you, you believe. And he's been a breath of fresh air since he's come in. The coaches love him. The players love him. I'll hold him accountable. You know, there's no shortcuts, uh, but he doesn't want any shortcuts. But it's understanding him as well. Big personalities can sometimes polarize a locker room, but not on the caps. Kamara's fitting in fine on and off the pitch. Early on, the $800,000 he's making seems to be money well spent. You know him. Kai is a loud person. He he bring a lot of smile in in each of us in our faces because he likes to make jokes, but at the same time, he work hard. Jay Janower, Global Sports. Look who's really playing well of late. Predators. Last 11 games have not lost in regulation. Taking on the Jets. The top two teams in the Central. That's a goal by Kevin Fiala. He's turning out to be a good goal scorer in Nashville. Then, power play for the Jets. And they'll allow two shorthanded goals on the same power play. Austin Waston. Yeah, Watson. Watson. I like Austin Watson. Yeah, I do too, but I got confused with Kendall Watson. Austin Watson and then Victor Arvidsson. But Austin Watson would be a good man. It would 3-0 in a second. You'd uh, think the Seahawks have had Canuck-like seasons, the way they are changing their roster. The Canucks actually should see what Seattle is doing and take a lesson. Now, today, we learn that two pair of hands are leaving Seattle. Paul Richardson, wide receiver, will sign with the Redskins, and tight end Jimmy Graham is also going as well. He's going to sign a free agent contract tomorrow with the Packers. Free agency officially opens in the NFL on Wednesday. He costs the Seahawks a lot when they traded for him from New Orleans. First round draft pick and their best offensive lineman at the time, Max Unger. And they didn't really know what to do with Graham when they got him. He was never the focal point of their offense. He was a good red zone guy, scored 10 touchdowns last year, but didn't get a lot of yards last year. He was 81st in the NFL in yards, receiving with 520, which was the lowest for him since his rookie season, I believe. You're a trooper. I'm done. I'm out of voice here. Here is today's snow report. More snow will trickle into the British Columbia Mountains over the next 24 hours. The base at Whistler Blackcomb, 296 centimeters. Grouse, 445, 421 Cypress, 396 centimeters Sasquatch. Revelstoke, a base of 260 centimeters. Manning Park, 211. Powder King, 275. And Mount Washington, 231. Big White's base, 313. Silver Star, 260. Sun Peaks, 233. And Apex, 295. We leave you tonight with a powerful message about overcoming differences and the path it may hold to healing. After a conflict that made international headlines, a South Carolina woman has decided to take down the Confederate flag she's flown for seven years. Reporter Steve Hartman tells us what led to her change of heart. This neighborhood in Somerville, South Carolina is predominantly black. And no one cared when Annie Cadell moved in seven years ago. I love the house. At least, according to her neighbor, Juanita Edwards, no one cared at first. When she came here, she seemed to be very nice. Until? A little while later, she started putting up Confederate flags. 
every morning when I would walk out to get my newspaper, that's the first thing you see. My husband stopped going to get the newspaper in the morning. And so began a very public fight. When the neighbors protested in front of her house, Annie invited counter-protesters to stand in her yard. When the neighbors put up walls on both sides of her property to block the view, Annie put up a taller flagpole. Her brazenness made international news. Once you get my hackles raised, I don't back down. I don't make no apologies. Eventually, the war settled into a stalemate of sorts. There were no more marches, no bigger walls, no taller flagpoles. Just a quiet bitterness on both sides. Until just recently, when Annie had a change of heart, quite literally. When you have a heart attack and you're being told you're not going to live very long, you're facing your mortality. I needed to clean up the messes that I made by being so stubborn. And she said, I have decided to take down the flag. I said, huh? I, I, I couldn't believe it. I was in disbelief. I went and hugged her. Somehow God touched her heart. Not long said, after, she presented him the with the flag. And Miss Annie, we thank you. Today, a South Carolina flag flies in its place, and Annie is hopeful the walls will be the next to go. Annie says before, she only saw the Confederate flag through her eyes as a way to honor relatives who fought for the South. But now, she says, she cares more about her living neighbors than her dead relatives. You don't feel like you're dishonoring them now? No, I'm not. I think I've done more honor for them now than I've done in my whole life. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.